ATC, we've had a bird strike in the right engine. Come to a stop on the runway. Spirit 3044, roger. Spirit 3044, you need any, any assistance? Yes, send the truck, please. Roger. Spirit 3044, there appears to be fire uh, under your right engine. All right, we uh, all right, we got that uh, Spirit 3044. Right, please roll the truck. Trucks are coming. And uh, tower, we are evacuating. Roger. Atlantic City Ground. Seven twenty-four seventeen. Seven twenty-four seventeen. Atlantic City Ground. Clearance uh, cross four two two to uh, runway thirteen for the Spirit Fire. Seven twenty-four seventeen. Proceed across runway four two two. Proceed on runway three one as requested. Phone 2417, copies, uh, cleared at, copy runway 422 to 1331. Atlantic City Ground, Delphina, November 7, Delta Romeo. You know, 7 Delta Romeo, Atlantic City Ground. Yeah, look, we're going to be getting ready to go here in a few minutes and just uh, looking over there at Spirit. Is there going to be an alternate way to taxi out? You know, I'm 7 Delta Romeo. At the moment, we're on alert 3 and the airport is closed. Okay, um, Sorry, I'm sorry to bug you on that. Do you know? Do you have any kind of time frame? Uh, so they just had a bird strike and subsequent engine fire um, approximately five minutes ago. Um, so not too sure on an ETA of when that's going to get uh, taken care of. They're uh, evacuating uh, the aircraft on the runway. Okay. Okay. All right. Appreciate the information, and then I'll just pass the information on the passengers. So right now, just the airport's closed with the uh, unknown time at this time. Wendell Romeo, affirmative. Okay. Thanks. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I'm Todd Conklin. How are you? Another week is Zoomed by. Another opportunity for us to hang out with one another and talk on the pod. It's always fun to have you guys. Thanks for listening. What about the introduction to this one, huh? little bit drama, little, uh, that's actual, um, radio communication from Spirit Airlines in Atlantic City on October 2nd of 2021. And I don't know if you saw much of the YouTube video of the plane evacuation, but, um, I was sent a copy by a wonderful listener. Oh, you guys are the best. And, and with that copy, came some interesting comments and questions. And I think we should talk about this thing that happened. This bird strike that took place, the subsequent handling of the bird strike, which you can grab on YouTube if you need to, no problem at all. Um, Easy to watch, easy to find, so that won't be an issue. And then how the plane evacuated. And I think what's interesting about this event is the opportunity to learn and understand how we as human beings are. And the best thing that can happen from this bird strike and evacuation is an opportunity to learn. And I think what we can learn is way more valuable than actually criticizing how the crew responded or how the, the, the front of the plane, the flight deck responded, or even how the people responded. Because I'm going to make a case today that I think people responded quite predictably the way we'd think they would. And that's what we should talk about. That is what 
we're going to do on the podcast today. Before we do, let's uh, let's talk a little. How are you doing? How's life going? Everything grand? It's like one exciting emotional event after another in the midst of like weird pandemic stress and chronic fatigue. And people are kind of on the knife's edge. And you sort of feel that. I mean, that's kind of a part of even the story we're going to talk about today. Because it's interesting. You guys know this, so I don't have to tell you. But one of the best things that happens in this podcast is that people will write in and, and have ideas and say, you should talk about this, or what do you think about that, or this seems really important to me and it's not getting much attention. And I think that becomes even more valuable in the midst of just chronic exposure to stress. And that, I think, is a part of all of our stories operationally, and it's a big part of really this notion that uncertainty is ahead. And I think that kind of sets us up for the discussion that we should have around this Spirit Airlines case. So I'm going to actually give you some interesting data about this event. So it was an A320neo. Uh, so that's an Airbus plane. And it had a bird strike, which all of this is relatively normal. And actually, I must admit, as we talk about it, um, this was well within their capacity to handle. So they did it right. It's actually involving Spirit Airlines flight number 3044 from Atlantic City to Fort Lauderdale. So that's pretty much an East Coast run, October 2nd, 2021. Um, the flight was being handled by an almost two-year-old piece of equipment, this Airbus A320neo, and the details of that are pretty available. The plane was accelerating for takeoff, at Atlantic City's airport, the crew rejected to take off at around 60 knots due to a bird strike on the right engine. Now, that's actually a low-speed rejected takeoff. And the plane stopped about 1,800 feet down the runway. The engine, however, caught fire. So the pilots requested fire trucks. You heard that because I put that clip in the beginning of the video. And about a minute later, they called for the aircraft to be evacuated. And everybody pretty much got off the plane without incident. So things worked, and they worked effectively. They uh, they got to have some help in the public understanding this event because so much video was being shot, and passengers actually caught video of the engine fire. And that engine fire and the subsequent reaction of the people around them, that's a big part of what we want to talk about. And and I want to kind of, I want to read to you from a website that actually I think is quite good, but I want you to listen carefully to the angle. The the website is one mile at a time dot com. It's pretty easy to find. They're gonna talk about what happened. So this is right from the website. Uh, passengers had to evacuate the plane via emergency slides. And there's roughly a four minute video of what it was like inside the cabin during this incident. And oh my gosh, this is directly from the, the website. The passengers sure aren't very good at following instructions. You can hear the crew repeatedly announcing, remain seated, remain seated. But the passengers don't remain seated. 
Instead, they get up, retrieve their items from the overhead bins, and yell, fire, fire, fire. You can hear the passengers yelling, oh, crap. They actually put a different word there. We have to get out of here. All the while, the crew keeps announcing, remain seated. And as the fire trucks are on the way, remain seated. But the passengers continue to request to get off the plane yelling, come on, open this door and let us out. The plane is on fire. Eventually, once the fire is under control, passengers are called to evacuate and are told to avoid the right-hand engines. And as the passengers evacuate, they're repeatedly told to leave everything behind. Just jump on the slide. Go figure, just about nobody listens to them, and instead most passengers take their back. Again, reading from the website. Fortunately, this wasn't a more serious situation, but this evacuation on the video is downright painful to watch. And then they set aside two bullet points. The first one is the idea that passengers are trying to tell the crew when to evacuate the plane, as if they have any clue what they're talking about. That's bullet point one. And bullet point two says, then when they're finally allowed to evacuate, they endanger themselves and the other passengers by taking their bags with them. One lady with a bag even fell to the floor because I guess she was trying to take too many things with her. Now, it goes on to say, from the perspective of the crew, it seems they did everything they could to help the passengers evacuate safely. They repeatedly told passengers to remain seated, although few people listened and repeatedly told passengers to leave carry-ons behind. They didn't listen. So what more could the crew really do? And then it goes on in the final part of this article to say the bottom line. A Spirit Airlines Airbus A320neo had to be evacuated at the Atlantic City Airport after an engine caught fire due to a bird strike. The plane was brought to a stop and emergency services were called, and the situation was quickly contained at which point the passengers were safely evacuated. They go on to say, final paragraph, still, watching the way the passengers acted during the evacuation is incredibly frustrating. Passengers don't at all listen to the crew instructions, both when it comes to remaining seated and when it comes to leaving carry-on bags behind. Fortunately, in this situation, it didn't cost anyone their life. Now, we can talk about this in great detail, and we are. I mean, that's why we're here. But I actually think that editorialized report of the event is a little bit interesting in its ability to reinforce the compliance activities while actually criticizing the people. So I think we should build a case, and this is the part we should talk about, around what part of this event gives us the highest opportunity for learning. And remember, the enemy of the question is the answer. And I think we have a relatively interesting case to be built here that the idea that passengers should A, be obedient and B, know what to expect and what to do is probably an imagined reality that doesn't translate well to the actual reality. No matter how many pre-flight briefings they give us as passengers on planes, when the plane is on fire, 
there's a necessity to have more information, not less information. The idea that the passengers were disobedient is, uh, is I think, kind of an easy answer in an event where there were very low consequences, no fatalities, no injuries. But I also think it sends exactly the wrong signal that the passengers, this would have been better had the passengers been more obedient, had the passengers been better. It's a classic uh, fundamental attribution disorder. It's it's pushing the blame towards the people and away from the process. And, and I would actually suggest that this is not an event to spend a lot of time talking about blame. Because the moment we go into some kind of they did it wrong or they should have done it better, then we lose the ability to actually understand the overall contextual reality that exists in the midst of this emergency. And this happens so rarely. I mean, it happens. There's no question. But it's so rarely that it seems dumb to take this down the name, blame, shame path, completely missing the chance to really understand this event, study it, and learn from it. Because there's lots of video. And so we understand that there's potential here. And I want to make a couple premises, at least for our discussion. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I guess it doesn't matter too much to me. But what I want to say is, I think the most predictable part of this event was that the people would freak out because the plane was on fire and that there's a very high need not to leave your stuff on the plane when you evacuate. Those things, I think, are pretty predictable. In fact, they're so predictable that they've written a whole series of compliance-based instructions to actually avoid the reality that that's going to happen. And so, given the fact that that's going to happen, maybe what we should be talking about is how we can make this more effective understanding the people as the solution to this problem, not claiming the people are the origin of this problem. With me so far? It's the stuff we talk about all the time, so it should fit pretty nicely into our discussion. And to do that, I think we first have to talk about rule following. So do people follow rules? Well, so that's a really good question. And the answer is, believe it or not, hard to give. You can oversimplify and say, yes, I do. But you know, that's not true. Or no, I don't. And you also know that's not true. And what's interesting is that rule following seems to be best understood when you look at three primary criteria for rule following. So will people follow rules? The answer is yes, if it, the rules meet these three tests. And you've heard of these tests before. The first one is, do the people know the rule? I can't follow a rule I don't know. So is the rule known and understood? Am I briefed on the rule? Do you have a successful communication activity with me on the rule? Do I understand what the rule is? So that's, that's number one, criteria number one. The second criteria is, does the rule make sense to me? Actually, the way it's often phrased is, does the rule have operational fidelity? So does the rule make sense? Because a rule that doesn't make sense is a very difficult rule to follow. That's hard to follow. So it's hard to follow dumb rules. I mean, people do them, but it's not a comfortable place to be. And then the third rule is, is the rule fairly and consistently applied? So is enforcement applied across the board? Is it consistently applied? Do, do we apply it all the time? 
And those three criteria, those three tests for rule following, actually have a place in this conversation. So let's let's use it as a diagnostic. Do the passengers know the rules? Yeah, I would think for the most part they were briefed on them before the flight. And if they've flown before, and let's assume most people have, they probably know that you need to follow the flight attendant and the crew's instructions and that in the highly unlikely event of an evacuation, you, you know, you won't take your luggage with you. Those are things they talk about. I don't remember if that's still in briefings. You guys will have to tell me. But it seems like in my mind that's still in briefing. So let's say people know the rule. They understand the rule. So then the second category is does this rule have operational fidelity? So that one I think is not as easy because when the plane is on fire, the most important fidelity communication tool I have is that I should get away from the danger sort of inherently built into me, the fight or flight. And I want to get away from the fire. So it seems like remaining calm and sitting in my seat while the engine is on fire, even though there are technical reasons why that's not a problem and they can handle the, it's safe. And it still appears pretty aggressively on the outside of the, the, the plane that the wing is on fire and the wings where they keep the fuel. And so if I'm just putting one and two together, I'm definitely going to come up with a, a, a calculation that says, this is dangerous. I should get out of here. I'm on the ground. The plane is stopped. Why won't you let me out? And so I can understand that's got real fidelity to it, and that's a part of it as well. The other thing that I think is interesting about taking things with you when you jump off the plane is I think there's genuinely real fear that the ability to retrieve these items is not there. And if this does not feel immediately like I can live without it, this is a tough one because if if it's the difference between my cell phone and my life, I'm going to take my life, but I'm not a big cell phone fan anyway, so I'm the wrong person to talk about. But you can see where there, there are clearly opposing goals on whether leaving it is safer and potentially not being able to retrieve it or actually going with it and breaking the rule. And then the third criteria, which is going to be harder for us to talk about is, are these rules consistently applied? And the answer, in fact, maybe yes, maybe no. This is a relatively rare occurrence. And so it's kind of hard to determine um, what these kind of evacuation protocols are like, which is my whole entire point, which is why we should be actually looking at this in a much different way. This is an opportunity to learn, not an opportunity to blame. So given those criteria, let's focus on the second one because it's the one that I think has the most interesting uh, potential for us. Is there operational fidelity? So here's my premise, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it strikes me that if there's an absence of information about what I need to be doing while the wing is on fire, I'm going to use kind of logical fill-ins to kind of write the ending of this story. And so one of the ways to allow the rule to have more fidelity is to actually increase the communication about what is happening and the urgency 
of that communication about what is happening. But that's going to be difficult because the the, the flight deck crew, the, the pilot and co-pilot, did exactly what they were supposed to do. They brought the plane to a halt. They followed their checklist for the engine being on fire. You heard all these things on the radio. That's why I put it on this podcast. So they're incredibly busy managing the emergent situation, which is exactly what we want them to do. And so we know first they're going to fight the fire. And then the second thing they'll do is communicate, right? So communicating to the passengers is not their first priority, nor should it be. However, that is where I think the potential for us to learn becomes a big part of our discussion. Because I think just because the flight deck crew does not have communicating with the passengers as their immediate emergent priority doesn't mean the passengers don't have a high need to gain information as quickly as possible, which would actually give the rules more fidelity. So if someone were to tell them, and I don't know who the someone would be, but someone would instruct them, here's what's going on, here's why you're best staying in your seat, here's why we need you to stay in your seat, this will help us eventually perform our emergency functions more efficiently as a plane and will in fact save lives. That's an important conversation that simply was not had. And, and I'm not sure who the right person to have that conversation is. I think this is an opportunity to learn. I would also suggest the same theory applies in not carrying your carry-on bags in the evacuation. If we could give more information about where those would be available, et cetera, et cetera. Perhaps that would actually decrease the goal conflict and decrease the need to actually have that with you and logically fill that in by giving more information. This could be a giant conversation that's a waste of time because I don't really know the answers to any of these questions. But also, that's not my role to know the answers. Uh, what's amazing is we now have people available, either the passengers that were a part of this evacuation, the crews that have actually done this evacuation, to actually dig deeper operationally to understand this. Because if the, the issue at hand is that passengers don't obey rules, then simply blaming them for being disobedient and hoping they'll be more obedient next time is not going to change the next evacuation in Atlantic City. In fact, predictably, it's probably going to look a lot the same. And if the consequence is, in fact, like that editorial I read to you, potentially significant and people could die, then perhaps it's time that we learn from this and understand how we want to manage that evacuation in a way that's maybe different than the way we manage it now. That is the potential learning. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know if you're thinking, but that's what I'm thinking. And to me, the opportunity is there to actually dig much deeper into this event. And I think they will. I mean, it's, I'm not being preachy, or at least I'm not trying to be preachy. I, I think they will. But I think they would be very remiss if they didn't include the passengers that were involved in this. That could be a really important part of the conversation. That, that I think, w would make a huge difference.
So that's the pod. I mean, it's it, it, in a nutshell, that's what I wanted to share with you. I, I don't have solutions. In fact, I'm curious if you do. Uh, I don't know. I, I just thought this was worthwhile. And the more I looked into this event, and I looked in it almost immediately, the more I thought this is worth having the discussion with us. Because I'm curious what you're thinking, and I'm curious where to learn. I don't know what's right or wrong, and I'm certainly not coming down on any side of this, except maybe the side that says we ought to use this to learn and improve the system for everyone. I don't think the flight deck crew needs more to do. I'm a big believer in the in-flight services, the flight attendants. I think they played the role the way they were trained. I mean, they facilitated. And we have proof of that because they evacuated the plane in a timely fashion with very few, uh, just a couple minor injuries. But I also refuse to say the passengers are the problem. Because if we say the passengers are the problem, then I'm not sure that's going to take us in a direction that will lead to improvement. So that's the discussion. I don't know what it's worth. We'll see. I think we can get away with this. It's it's relatively interesting, that's for sure. And I'm curious to what you think, which is why we do this. This is a bigger problem than just bad passengers. And this is a problem that if we can actually learn from it, it can have impact globally across all of our travel and transportation needs, wherever we are. That is where the power lies. That's what makes the biggest difference. So there you have it, the ramblings of a crazy man. It felt like I was, uh, I, I don't know, it, I'm, I'm not sure, I was, you tell me if I was tracking or not. I thought a lot about this, so I, I wasn't going in blind. Um, it's just, it's different when you sort of have to read something in the middle, because it, it, kind of gets me off my game a little but i wanted to quote that stuff because i thought it was worth you hearing because that is mostly the impression i'm getting from the people that i know in the business is that these dang passengers are really making it hard for us to be successful so let's see if that actually is the most profitable and effective way to think about this i'm guessing it's not but who knows so that's the pod thanks for listening you guys um, we're always having fun, and there's some great stuff coming up. I, you're not going to believe this, but um, young Sidney Decker requested to be on the podcast, which is kind of fun. So that's that'll be an animated discussion that we'll have some fun talking about. So learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. That matters. Um, check in on one another. Monday's a great day to do that. And, and most importantly, be safe. Be safe.